With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Divisional round of previews. We have four fantastic games this weekend. Hey, now I just call it the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Awesome quarterback play, awesome play callers, some really good defenses and defensive players included in all of these. Um, Despite last week being a lot of blowouts, I feel like we were still able to live in the moment and live in certain performances. Vegas this weekend is not expecting many close games either. No, but at least with the AFC, we are getting elite quarterback yes. play versus the NFC. But the NFC's got some some sick offenses as well. There's we'll get to them. There's two offenses mm-hmm. that I think are still very underrated according to the betting markets, and maybe the first game includes one of them. Texans versus Ravens. That first game, four thirty Eastern on Saturday, forty three and a half total as the Texans travel to Baltimore, where the Ravens, Hayden, nine and a half point favorites these teams played all the way back in week one the Baltimore Ravens won that game 25 to 9 and a couple things happened for Houston I think in that contest that we have come to learn are uncharacteristic for them the rest of the season first of all their offensive line plus quarterback equaled 21 sacks plus hits plus hurries allowed that's the second most that CJ Stroud saw Mm -hmm. all season long and the second part he had just two attempts of 20 plus yard passes Neither were completed in that game. And since then, he has, you know, just a casual 35 of 59 on 20 plus yard throws for the rest of the season. We saw it last week. We saw it with Bobby Slowick kind of breaking back against the uh, defensive coverages. We also saw CG Stroud getting to backside reads, throws on the run as well. Right now, CG Stroud to me is playing out of control football. A lot of it was schemed up this last week, but if you really look at it as well, I thought that C.J. Stroud played lights out. So the biggest thing right here is no Marlon Humphrey for the Baltimore Ravens. According to Pro Football Focus, Marlon Humphrey has allowed uh, a snap per reception at 21. The next closest, Brandon Stevens and Ronald Darby, at 10.5 and 7.2 snaps per reception, which means they have lost their number one corner. Brandon Stevens is going to face a lot of Nico Collins and Nico Collins has completely lived up to the hype last week was explosive plays. And that's been the big difference here. It's Nico Collins, then John Mechie, then Robert Woods in terms of routes run because Noah Brown's on injured reserve, obviously no tank Dell as well. So I wonder if we're going to see more two tight end sets to kind of alleviate some of the pressure. Mm. Cause that's like you said, the difference was in that first game, so much pressure. We'll see if Bobby Slovak has some more answers. And quite frankly, just the offensive line is going to have to, win their one-on-one matchups, which is a tough task. But I still think people are not respecting what CG Stroud is doing. Some of these throws are ridiculous. Yeah, it's the entire combination of it. I disagree. I think everyone is respecting what CJ Stroud is doing. Like, well, they're I'm projecting hearing, for 17 points this well, week. That's I, too then, then Vegas isn't respecting it. Okay. You know, either way. Nationally, he's being mentioned as like a top 10, top eight quarterback in the NFL, which – how he is playing right now, 100% deserved because, as you said, he made two or three extremely, uh, let's say, elevated throws, mm-hmm. like far better than what a rookie should do. And there are also two or three or four occasions where Bobby Slowick was just a master mm-hmm. at creating leverage advantage and spacing advantage. I mean, the Dalton Schultz touchdown, yep. which was the corner post, just wide open to avoid. Fantastic stuff. I think nationally what people might be thinking is, okay, this – 
Texans offense went up against the Cleveland Browns defense last week, a, a Browns defense that many were calling the best in the league. And obviously EPA DVOA wise, they were, but this Ravens defense is much different than that because this Ravens defense does everything right. They run everything, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We're not going to sit and do one thing over and over and just have our players be better than yours. A la Jim Schwartz and that Browns defense. We also talk about it like, with the Eagles or whoever else with these defensive struggles, so many of these teams aren't investing in the spine of their defense, despite, you know, the NFL now the most efficient passes being over the middle of the field and in the intermediate portions. Uh, well, the Ravens have Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, and Kyle Hamilton. Yes, that's pretty dang good. That is probably the best if you're talking about slot corner ish, mm-hmm. even though Hamilton can do a few diff- different things. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, best three some unit in that area of the field. So I am super excited when this Texans team has the football to see what Bobby Slowick and CJ Stroud can do. And if they pay extra attention to Nico Collins and force all these other players on the Texans offense to beat them. That's going to be the key. Cause there's a massive drop drop off from Nico to the rest of those guys with that second layer though. CJ Stroud is throwing typically beyond that level. So it's going to have to be <laughs> the other safeties, the deep safeties to work. And it's all these two man uh, route combinations way down the field. It's what yep. we saw last week. So yeah, th- there's, it's really hard to handicap exactly what the Ravens are going to do. Cause like you said, they play everything. They've also had a full week to prepare on top of their usual schedule here. Um, so I just think that CJ Stroud has been fooled by defensive coverages like a couple times, like the entire season. He's so mature. Bobby Sloak has so many answers to that. The one thing where you can kind of beat the Ravens uh, just historically this season, they're 16th in rushing EPA allowed their second best against the pass. We've seen the Texans try to establish the run. Obviously that's going to help, or they think that's going to help their pass, uh, their play action pass game. I wonder if we're going to see a little bit more Devin Singletary in this contest versus what we saw last week, just because like you said, the little bit of differences between what the Browns bring and the Ravens bring just for context, Devin Singletary handled 13 of the 16 running back carries last week. I wonder if that is 16 of 20 in this one. Yeah. And we know that this Texans offense could not run the football to open the season. That includes week one. And they really started to hit their stride. I don't know, around week 13, week 14, to the best of the abilities that they have this year to actually have rushing success. Uh, We talked about Nico Collins in our projected top 36 fantasy football picks for 2024 NFL drafts. Just want to bring up again the size combination 6'4, 220. Also, where he's catching these passes, 11 and a half yards on the field. And then also second in the league in yards at the catch. An insane combination. And the reason why that's happening is these rap concepts that you're talking about where, you know, it's not 7 to 10 yards down the field. It's 10 to 13 yards down the field. And it's a lot of these vertical routes and then crossing routes overs versus that. And in single high looks, whether it be and typically cover one, can also be cover three. He is just so long. And his strides are so long that he just runs away from corners mm-hmm. that try to cover him all across the field. Now, we saw a bunch of that last week against this Cleveland Browns team. What I did want to bring up was any time that we basically saw him outside the numbers. And again, remember Bobby Slowick and this offense um, is so good at creating these condensed splits along with pass protection Um and prioritizing that to create these downfield opportunities. But there were about three or four snaps where we did see Nico Collins outside the numbers. And it was either a slant to isolate that corner or that one sluggo that we got down the field. So again, keep that in mind. If you see Nico kind of drifting out there, it is to create that slant opportunity in an isolated situation, or it's the sluggo to then work off of it. And they just did such a masterful job against a really, really good Browns defense last week. Nico Collins, like those are the true number one wide receiver reps where it's not just he's not a product of this scheme. He's not a product of CJ Stroud. He's out there and winning. And I do think that Marlon Humphrey's uh, absence is going to hurt them. So I just think that the 17 points felt a little bit too insulting. Maybe it should be 20 ish somewhere around there. Uh, Obviously, Baltimore's defense has been absolutely lights out the entire year you have been riding with vegas all season long despite the chat hating it despite the comments hating it and now we get to the divisional round and you're working against vegas just a little bit okay now let's go to when the ravens have the football we haven't seen them for a long time i mean again in week 18 sat everyone 
uh, obviously have a bye week. The last time the Ravens were the number one seed, they dropped the ball heavily against yeah. the Tennessee Titans, a team that many people doubted could even match up with the Ravens at that point. Well, once again, you are nine and a half point favorites here at home. Uh, what are you expecting to see when the Ravens have the ball versus this Texans defense? So the Texans can rush the passer and their run defense has been very good. They are actually six in rushing EPA. They had a 40% pressure rate against the Browns last week. Uh, Will Anderson is out there as the force multiplier, but we also have seen D'Amico Ryans. There was that one clip where he told the linebacker exactly where to cut off for that interception against Flacco. So you know that just what D'Amico Ryans is providing is everything. Two key players on the Ravens side, aside from Lamar Jackson, obviously. Mark Andrews on that ankle injury, full practice. He's still, quote, up in the air. That would be a little bit earlier than what we expected him, but he still has a chance to play. Obviously, that would be massive as, like, the underneath target, especially against a team that can rush the passer like the Texans can. But I think the second player, and we've talked about this, we've been hinting at it for, I mean, months and months. months. <laughs> Odell Beckham's at that 50 60% snap rate. Uh, we had a clip from John Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh earlier this week saying that this is the best Odell has looked in a very long time before the season. Odell said his goal is not to be the healthiest in week one. Right. It's to be the healthiest in the playoffs. They need somebody to really step up. If it's not going to be Zay Flowers, I think that this is a chance for Odell Beckham to get that 80% target or 80% route rate, maybe even a hundred percent route rate. And it would come at the perfect time because Derek Stingley is out there playing really high level ball. Totally with you. We played about 87% of snaps in week one. Ever since then, he has not crossed 57% snaps in a single game. This has been the plan, I believe. And because of that, we're actually getting a really nice higher, lower projection that we can we take are. advantage of on underdog fantasy. When I tweeted out this morning, this is why you need to be following us on Twitter. Uh, it was at 30 and a half. It has already moved on the platform because of the shadowy figures over there to 33 and a half receiving yards as his higher or lower. Uh, I still want to take the higher end of that because we have seen Odell in the playoffs be an extremely important figure. And Hayden, like you said, let's have this little Mark Andrews conversation here because Isaiah likely has been a really talented player. And Todd Munkin, I think has done a really good job utilizing other pieces out there. But when Mark Andrews plays this year, especially against two high shells and two high coverages, which our buddy Graham Barfield points out here, he has crushed them. In weeks two through 10, Andrews led the Ravens in targets and yards per route run against two high looks. The other 10 games, over the last 10 games, the Texans have deployed two high safety coverage on 62% of the opponent's passing plays. That is the third highest rate. So it is that middle of the field work. We know that Lamar and Mark Andrews have thrived in that area throughout their entire relationship. Yeah, that would be huge here. I I think it's just Lamar Jackson with this one that just going to be the make it or break it player here. I think the ground game will surround, obviously, with Lamar Jackson. Gus Bus will be the goal line back. It does sound like Dalvin Cook is going to be out there ready to go. He's the new number three, maybe the number two back ahead of Justice Hill. That's the other little wild card player with the Ravens offense. But like you said, we haven't seen this team play in a very long time. We haven't right. seen Mark Andrews play in a lot, long time. We haven't seen what Odell looks like, if he's going to be this 80, 90% uh, snap player. So I think what we've seen with the Ravens uh, recently, it's been Lamar Jackson creating for everything. He at least has the chance to have a couple more new additions to this offense, uh, which is definitely scary for all the AFC teams. We talked about how the Ravens do a bunch of things defensively. The Texans kind of don't. I mean, again, they play a lot of this too high coverage, and then they're about executing at a really high level and really having their young players play at a really high level. I mean, Will Anderson, we've talked about it all season long, just power. Power. Jonathan Grenard is one of the more underrated pass rushers across the league. Um, Derek Stingley can move, can turn an exceptional degree. And I think Denzel Perryman's like one of the better run defenders too, in terms of like downhill missiles. Uh, this fascinated me. It's from Cleve TA. Somehow the Texans have avoided facing a top 10 EPA quarterback the entire season since wow. the opener against Lamar Jackson. Baker. Mayfield was the closest, and that was 11th. So that's a really good run out so far for this Texans defense. One that has had its up and downs this season, playing some of its best football right now. Obviously, a defensive minded head coach with a great pedigree. But we talk about all the time that defenses, at times, unless you're one of these top units, 
can vary based on just the quarterbacks that you've played against. And obviously Lamar, they held him in check in week one, but this might be a different platform, a different level that there are varying degrees of this football game and football sport that Lamar Jackson might be playing at this weekend. I like the over in this game for all the reasons we laid out. Uh, some weather concerns, a little bit of wind. It's going to be cold. This is welcome to January if you guys haven't seen. Um, I still like the over. The, both of these quarterbacks are playing too well. Final point I want to make. We talked about this uh, with Colt McCoy back when they played like the Detroit Lions, the Baltimore Ravens, and how they use Patrick Ricard. Sometimes they use him as like a sixth offensive lineman. So defenses either have to go into base. And if that's the case, you're an 11 personnel with three wide receivers outside of him. And so you can attack open space. Or if they go nickel, then you basically have your sixth offensive lineman and Patrick Ricard that you can run downhill with also a mobile quarterback. And I want to add, I know you mentioned Dalvin Cook here. Let's not forget about Justice Hill basically the last time he was on the field. Against slower linebackers in the Miami Dolphins defense, Denzel Perryman might be classified as one of these. If you can isolate Justice Hill against one of those guys, he could be in for a splash play here or there. Because I think Todd Monken, despite being in the league forever and a league that is being taken over by younger play callers, not named Andy Reid, Todd Monken has also innovated this year and gotten role players into important positions and made important plays. So hats off to Todd Monken. That's Panthers head coach, Todd Monken, to you. <laughs> it's definitely possible. I mean, the resume over the last three years. Pretty good. Um, not bad. You know, back-to-back national champions at Georgia, then uh, helping, you know, your quarterback win the MVP. That's for sure. Packers versus 49ers. 8-15 Eastern on Saturday night. 49 and a half total as the Packers travel to San Francisco Bay area-ish. And also this game, the 49ers are nine and a half point favorites. I mean, this isn't true, but it feels like this Aaron Rodgers Packers played Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers for like multiple seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. Obviously these guys coached together back in the Washington R word days. Yes. Um, how do you expect this one to go? Why don't we start off with the Packers offense since we just saw them play this past week? Well, it's not that much of much of an exaggeration to call Jordan Love an MVP candidate based off of how he's played since week 10. Second in EPA, third in success rate, second in completion percentage over expected, first in PFF's big time throw rate. We saw a bunch of those against the Cowboys. And then maybe just as important as all those, second in pressure to sack ratio. So the scheme is ideal. The these young players could all play. I mean, like even going down like Bo Melton for a couple snaps per game. Christian Watson returned and this one only played eight snaps because Romeo Dobbs was getting his Dontavian Wicks gets his my guy Luke Musgrave gets Mm -hmm. left wide open. So LaFleur, I think, maybe the most underappreciated head coach in the league. He's not that far off to the Sean McVay's. Uh, in my opinion, he coached up this team, but I do think it simply is Jordan Love is like very much here. Like speaking of top 10 conversations, I think that's a, where we start with Jordan Love and we might even have to go higher than that. The ability to throw on the run, the ability to take hits because he's got that big size out there. He's of not taking uh, sacks because of that size and that mobility. But I think at the end of the day, it just they're so scheme proof because since that week 10, they're also fourth in rushing EPA. They have Aaron Jones back. So now they're getting the explosives in the ground game. So to me, this was the second team. I think the Texans are a little bit underrated by the markets. I think the Packers, they're only projected for 20.5 implied points. That's the second lowest, only to the Texans on the week. I like CJ Stroud and Jordan Love, I guess more than the betting markets like him as well. I think the 49ers defense is good. It's not as good Mm. as the previous 49ers defenses. And I think that LaFleur can certainly get his. I do think that they are still good, though, over the middle of the field. And it's exactly what we talked about. The Ravens, they run different defenses. But you have Fred Warner, arguably the best coverage linebacker in the league. And then Dre Greenlaw is not too far behind him. And so we have seen Matt LaFleur and his offense this year with Aaron Rodgers jettisoned from it, I think be able to flex his muscles a bit more often. And the league right now is so much about under center, deep play action, right? And then crossing routes off of that and attacking the middle of the field. Guess what Jordan Love has been doing in this second half of the season where he's been impeccable is with explosive young players who can work off play action and then work over the middle field, either on comebacks or all this stuff. And then just as you said, I would call it like ball manipulation and then also body motion manipulation that like Jordan Love is able to have at this moment where it's just fadeaways and fall away throws and still getting the torque and the velocity and all these passes. 
it's incredible stuff. And have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Even though like the numbers aren't drastically different, we all know that Aaron Rodgers like didn't love motion and shifts and all that pre-snap. He wanted to see what we got pre-snap and then execute it post-snap. Um, okay. Matt LaFour and company this year are watching what we saw from Miami Dolphins and Mike McDowell early on the season and say, oh, Fly motions, speed motions. We're going to do that with Jane Reed. We're going to do that with Luke mm-hmm. Musgrave. We're going to do that with Tucker Craft. We're going to do that with all these players. Aaron Jones at times. And they're just executing, as you're saying, everyone's hitting at a super, super high level. It is one of the more fun offenses to watch right now. And it's in year one of it. It's scary. Like, it really is scary. And, you know, you and I talked about this Jordan Love contract heading into this year where you know, he wanted some guaranteed money heading into, let's say, 2024. So he took less money in order to do it. Rarely do you have quarterback contracts unless, like, you want to rework the money in the future. Um, you know, get reworked year over year, restructured. But it truly might happen. And, like, that starting number for Jordan Love might start with a five this offseason. Oh, too. <laughs> for sure, starting with the five. I mean, yeah, he he used to make a lot of, like, pretty – boneheaded plays like going back to like utah state days and that really worried me he's just really eliminated a lot of them and all of the big play ability like there was a one time where he was like getting compared to like josh allen i always think that was completely unfair because jordan love doesn't scramble like josh allen does but the trick shot stuff is is fantastic right now since that week 10 metric this is the number one offense in the 49ers and the number two offense in epa per play in the green bay packers so this is the highest team total uh, or the game total of the week at 50 points. Um, and I think that is definitely warranted. Since we brought it up last week with the pass pro plan that this team had to have with Micah Parsons, I actually think the pass, or excuse me, the blocking showed up more in the running game. And by the way, if you are underrating what Aaron Jones has brought to this team, if you're not thinking it's exceptional, yeah, he had so much different than like having AJ Dillon out there. Mm-hmm. But split zone type work here, right? I just want you to see Basically, every single time they're leaving Micah Parsons unblocked off of these and then post-snap working a, excuse me, a sniffer off of it and then just blocking him. It's not the face-up stuff where he can shed you and work in the backfield and he's basically having to read and react and over and over and over again. Well, the San Francisco 49ers defensive line is pretty loaded. You have Mm -hmm. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead's back, you trade for Chase Young. So on and so forth. So there's a bunch of dudes that you have to block versus obviously in the Cowboys, it was mainly one target every single snap. I think more importantly is they also have the linebackers to clean yes. up and fit the run where the really what the Cowboys, it wasn't even just Jonathan Hankins missing. Their linebacker play was just too small in general. So they just get yeah. absolutely blown off off the line. It's not going to happen with the 49ers. So I, I think for the Packers to stay in this, we're going to need. Brock Purdy to have an interception or two or some type of fumble. And then I think Jordan Love, these trick play downfield shots are going to have to continue. But I think it's fairly sticky from what Jordan Love is doing. 
this all this stuff feels good to me. And for those playing pick them or DFS, just real quick, the, the routes, because it was super even last week for the Packers. Romeo Dobbs had 17 of 22. Then it was Dontavian Wicks at 14. Jaden Reed only at, with 11 of 22 routes. Christian Watson with eight. And then the tight end split was 15 for Kraft. Luke Musgrave with eight. So, I mean, that's that's not even including Bo, Melton, Bo Melton's routes. So yeah. they can really rotate this thing up and really dice things up exactly how they want to. All those guys have different skill sets. And if you're not drafting these guys in round one, where you can take a bunch of shots on day two, three, and then all of a sudden you have this basketball roster where you could rotate players in and out and give them all some minutes. These are the two best examples of just how long a season is, the Houston Texans and the Green Bay Packers, right? Because obviously we open the season with Packers players not knowing what spacing is, mm-hmm. running into each other, not lining up properly. And now we're here and it feels like everyone's playing at their best football at the best moment. And as you said, we are finally able to respect Matt LaFleur as an individual because he's not attached to Aaron Rodgers who wants to run his offense. And we're yeah. seeing you know great things happen because of it. Okay, you hinted at it. When the 49ers have the ball, what should we expect? Because what we, despite what we saw last week, against the Dallas Cowboys and two interceptions, including a pick six. Uh, This Joe Barry defense has been miserable all season. Every single player basically outperforming at quarterback, their other uh, season average heading into Mm it. Uh, If Brock Purdy does that, we're going to have seven touchdown passes from it. This chart still scares me. Um, This is Jess from Sumer Sports. The Packers, where they rank, and these throws over the middle are terrifying. These throws downfield to the right side, which I mean, I've seen Brandon Ayuk on that right side, take an in-breaking route uh, way downfield or a comeback route over and over and over again. So this is the concern. Like you said, though, at least what the Packers have, which most really bad defense don't have, is the ability to rush the passer one-on-one with Rashawn Gary and company. But number two, they at least have some players in Savage and Jair Alexander. These type of guys can make plays last week against the Cowboys. We saw them step up and make some plays. The cohesion the entire season has not been there. That terrifies me with, you know, Shanahan knowing exactly this offense. It's his. And uh, they've played each other multiple times, including in the postseason recently. So, yeah, I would be pretty surprised if the 49ers didn't go out here and put up 24, 30, 34 points in this game. And I think this one will be at least a decent game just because I do think, like we said, the Packers on the other side can keep up to a certain degree. And as we talked about it, Really, the only game that Brock Purdy didn't play well was that Baltimore Ravens game. I mean, there are a couple others, but like Baltimore Ravens game, and that was four tipped interceptions, right? And so, sure, could Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, uh, Carl Brooks, whoever else, like get some hands up and tip some passes, and maybe that calls and wreaks havoc 100%. But what's more likely to happen is Brock Purdy's able to show off his anticipation, especially over these middle of the field windows, and hit these passes down the field. And that's not even including... Christian McCaffrey running to the left side behind Trent Williams and out in space and how they can really put you in a blender. If you want to run 21 personnel with Kyle Juszczyk, or if you want to run 12 personnel with two tight ends, or if you want to run 11 personnel and all that stuff outside of it. And he's basically had two weeks to prepare for this game. So like we have to have another anomaly of a Joe Barry defensive performance here for, to me, the Packers to have a chance, but it could still be an opportunity for this to go over at the same time. Christian McCaffrey in the pick and lobby, 130 total yards in this <laughs> oh one. I'm God. not sure if we've seen one that high this NFL season. Um, I understand why, though. Yeah. I mean, this Packers defense, their base is kind of like a 5-2, right? And again, you can force them into that if you want out of 21 personnel. And then if it's seven people up front, then boom, right behind you in the intermediate areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also Debo Samuel, who we haven't mentioned, or George Kittle on top of it. It's just insane stuff that this team brings to the table. And it's why, along with the Ravens, all of us have brought up the San Francisco 49ers as the biggest contenders out there mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl. So, Fair enough. We'll keep it moving. Buccaneers versus Lions. Three o'clock. Sunday, Tampa Bay travels to Detroit. The Lions get back-to-back home games here. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites at Ford Field. 48-and-a-half-point total in this game. We saw both of these teams last week, Hayden. Why don't we kick it off with the Lions having the ball? Because actually, these teams played earlier this season. Um, The Lions won that game 
by pretty considerable fashion. Mm-hmm. However, even in that game, they did not have Jameer Gibbs. They lost David Montgomery after about a quarter, and it was one of the Ben Johnson best performances of the season, I felt. It really was, and what we saw, no surprise here, Tampa Bay blitzed them repeatedly. It was 20 attempts against five-plus pass rushers for Jared Goff. That was his third most of the season. The only two games where there were more uh, five-plus pass rushers was both the games against the Vikings, who are absolutely ridiculous in that category. What happens with Jared Goff? Well, when he sees this much pressure and when he anticipates it, it's plays like the last one we just saw. It's immediately dialed up to Amon Ross St. Brown. In that game, with all that pressure coming, Amon Robert St. Brown had 12 receptions for 124 yards and a touchdown. His average depth of target was under five yards. That was his second lowest of the season. So when they feel the pressure, and this is a very smart quarterback with a very smart uh, center, with a very smart play caller, they will be able to sense when the pressure is coming. And when that happens, it's a lot of quick passes to Amon Ross St. Brown to start. When this offense sees five-plus pass rushers, Amon Ross St. Brown only averaging 3.5 yards per route run. Everyone else is in the one. So I think the key here is get the ball quickly out to Amon Ross St. Brown. Limit the total like felt pressure by Jared Goff. Just because you're being blitzed doesn't mean that you're under pressure and get the ball out quickly. So I think it's going to be a huge Amon Ross St. Brown game. Like that a lot. You mentioned quickly uh, when we covered this game with Colt McCoy, something that he kept pointing out was Ben Johnson's unique use of the cadence and the cadence and the snap count. Cause when you're watching Todd Bowles, defense, I mean, just look what he did to Philadelphia this past week <laughs> loves to show exotic pre-snap looks. Yeah. You know, pressure packages. There's lots of pre-snap movement that then equals post-snap movement. Well, what Ben Johnson did to correct that was everyone gets set very quickly and then snap the football to not allow for these shifts for a cornerback to walk to, to the line of scrimmage Indeed. and then blitz okay. off of it. And so basically, and this happened on the Jamison Williams long touchdown, um, that quick snap forced every single part of the defense that could not rotate to be out of position. And so it's almost like, a, I know you're going to pressure me in this situation. So we're going to get way ahead of that and then force you to get out of position because mm-hmm. of it. And it's just another smart thing that we see, I think Ben Johnson do on a weekly basis. I think we saw this past weekend out of a two-minute warning where, you know, there should be no rush. There's no reason to snap the ball with 20 seconds left in the play clock, yet the Lions are even using the snap count to their advantage. So uh, that is something to monitor as we go along because, again, you go from a offense not being able to pressure, not being able to handle – five, six pass rushers out of empty to, to me, a Lions offense that is built for it in certain ways. Like this front five offensive line does an exceptional job off of that, plus a play caller that gives his offense hots or even just play designs to combat it immediately. Some playing time notes from this last game. The Lions were in 11 personnel for almost every single snap. Uh, that meant Josh Reynolds playing 29 of 30 routes. He had a big game. Jameson Williams was basically a full-time player. And then with the running backs, David Montgomery played 30 of the 56 snaps. Jameer Gibbs played on 19. So it was more Montgomery than Jameer Gibbs. That said, Jameer Gibbs ran nine routes in that last game. He had four targets, caught all four of them, broke a million tackles on top of them too. So there's definitely this kind of yin-yang approach still with these running backs. I like David Montgomery's chances of scoring a touchdown because the Lions are projected for almost 28 points. That's the second most. On this week, I think that the Bucks have a chance to t- create some turnovers in this one. But I think the Lions have just shown this consistency at on offense, especially if Sam Laporta gets a little bit healthier this time around. Uh, I know he scored that touchdown, but it was pretty quiet aside from that. So, yeah, I think that it's a, a game where I feel most comfortable that the favorite is going to kind of be able to handle business in this one. Um, but the Bucks at least have a chance with the blitz on defense. And then with some deep shots on offense. Well, and they have some rookies that are playing at a really high level in Kalijah Kansi, in Yaya Yabi. I mean, they run a ton of five-man fronts too. Um, And then you have Antoine Winfield at the safety spot who covers a ton of ground. Carlson Davis has had some really nice games this season too. Um, But yeah, this Lions team runs by far the most under center play action passes of anyone, of anyone across the league. So 
It's two great play callers, I think, on both sides of the ball that puts the opposition into a blender. And I'm with you. Like, again, not being able to see – and even at that point when this when these teams played, Jameer Gibbs was not the Jameer Gibbs that we know now, you right. know? And so featuring him in this game will even give that to me a much different feel. And Hayden, where these two teams are drastically different is their red zone touchdown success, okay? The Lions are second in the league uh, in terms of their red zone touchdown success rate. If we want to move this on over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are 30th in red zone touchdown success rate. Obviously, um, both these teams scored a lot of points this year. In fact, they're only about four or five percentage points different in terms of the number of drives that ended in a score. However, they're about 10 to 12 percentage points different where the Lions scored a touchdown on theirs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selling for a field goal in theirs. The biggest difference right there is being able to run the ball right now. The Bucs are at a 30% success rate just in general. You can't run on the Lions anyways. So what the Bucs are going to do here, I hope, is just throw the ball like crazy. And they have a chance to do that. First off, I want to give some credit to Baker Mayfield. This was from Next Gen Stats, and they just track where Baker Mayfield is in the pocket versus breaking outside the pocket. And he's staying in the pocket. We've had this yep. criticism on the show where Baker Mayfield thinks he's Josh Allen. He's throwing on the move and doing all that year. stuff. Not this year. Staying in the pocket and actually making some throws. And this game, they need to, for him to be in the pocket and throw the ball downfield. Uh, Baker Mayfield in that game against the Lions earlier on, it was the most games or most pass attempts with 10 plus air yards. And that was 18 of them against Detroit this entire season. Detroit is allowed the second most deep targets in the NFL. Obviously, most of those targets go to Mike Evans right now in the pick'em lobby. Three and a half first downs for Mike Evans is one of my favorite hires on the weekend just because I think the way to keep yourself in this game, you're not going to be able to run the ball. You can beat the Lions defense down the field. And how many wide receivers have been better than Mike Evans down the field? Yeah, even again with one misplay per game, Mike Evans is still unreal. Unreal all season long. Rashad White, did you know this has the second most carries in the NFL this season? Yeah, they haven't gone for, for very many yards. No, 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 no. <laughs> but and I think actually when this game was played too was during that window in the first five games of the season. I could be wrong with my timeline where Rashad White wasn't even involved in the passing game either. Yeah. And so obviously we got that in the middle part towards the latter part of the season on top of it. Yeah, against that Lions in that Lions game, Baker was pressured on 13 of 41 attempts and he only completed two of 10. Two of 10. And really, this season has been uncharacteristic, like you said, from playing from the pocket consistently. But also, when pressured, Baker was fantastic this year. And on third downs, compared to previous years, Mm -hmm. he was incredible this year. Every single week, you're going to see one or two plays where Baker, his shoulder pad is grabbed, his helmet is grabbed. He's going to have two arms on him. There's a free rush or whatever. And he is miraculously escaping. Uh, this is also a good offensive line he's playing behind. Tristan Wirfs at 350 pounds at mm-hmm. left tackle moves like a mammoth of a human being, but is also agile on his feet. And then obviously in the right tackle spot, they're playing at a high level on top of it. it it's pretty simple, man. It's like, can Baker hit those one or two yep. game-changing moments to Mike Evans, even in this game against the Lions early in the season that he missed? If there was one to Trey Palmer that should have been like an 86-yard touchdown. So... It's like confidence, it's hot streak. I know people hate the word momentum, but Baker from start to finish this year is like a confidence-based player. And it's at a whole all-time high versus maybe his first or second season with Kevin Stefanski. And he's in that flow state. I think kind of anything is possible with his offense. I do just trust, again, a series in, series out, game in, game out, yeah. the lines just a bit more. The consistency advantage is crazy, but how you make up for consistency is the high variance Tampa Bay fourth most pass attempts with 10 plus air yards downfield. They're just 26 in success rate on them. Got to have better luck. Got to have hit on all those high variance plays, but at least there's like a path blitzes, get some pressure out of nowhere on, on defense and then hit these Mike Evans deep shots. And you can keep this game a little bit closer despite the massive gaps and just consistency. Chiefs versus Bills. Only four games this weekend. It makes me sad. But we do end it with a slobber knocker. 6.30 Eastern on Sunday night. Kansas City Chiefs this time, finally, travel to Buffalo where the Bills are two and a half point favorites. A total of 45 and a half in this game. 
There's a rematch of week 14, Hayden. Buffalo won that game, 20 to 17. Uh, let's go with the Bills first. And the Bills have the ball. What do you expect? I'm expecting Josh Allen to just run like a madman. 55 rushing yards per game in the playoffs. Basically the same metrics whenever he faces Patrick Mahomes in the six games that they've faced each other. They need him to completely step up, but he's been absolutely delivering in this one. Last week, it was Khalil Shakir who came in and popped up out of nowhere. It doesn't sound like we're going to get Gabe Davis to play in this one as well. At least he hasn't been practicing as well. Dalton Kincaid, he was out there for 67% of the routes in general. Then it's guys like Trent Sherfield and Dawson Knox to kind of round this thing out. But really, this is just both of these defenses could play in so many different types. They're both very well coached on the defensive side. The Chiefs have better talent right now than what Buffalo's trotting out there. We'll get to all of their defensive injuries out there. But Josh Allen is in that same category to me as Patrick Mahomes right now, just because he's an absolute freakazoid running the ball right now. So I think that's going to be the difference. It's going to be kind of a scramble off for both of these quarterbacks just because their pass catchers just don't seem to have quite the juice as what these offenses look like a year ago. So in that week 14 game, it was right in the heart of when Stefan Diggs was not really performing, right? In that game, he had four catches for 24 yards on 11 targets, Hayden. A major part of that was Legereus Need balled out. He balled out against the Miami Dolphins this past week. I mean, was sending Tyreek Hill all the way back to South Florida on some of those jams near the line of scrimmage. Um, he kind of shadowed Stefan Diggs in week 14, lined up opposite him on 23 of 35 snaps. Uh, we've seen him on both sides of the field work in the slot at times too. I wouldn't be surprised if that number ticks up a little bit, even if we do have Trent McDuffie in the slot, which obviously can work with Stefan Diggs in that mm -hmm. situation. Don Kincaid this past week for Josh Allen had a huge performance against the Chiefs, was held to five catches for 21 yards. The player that kind of won it for this Bills offense was James Cook. Five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. By far his biggest receiving performance of the season. I love that this first snap is here because it shows, one, the aggressiveness that a Steve Spagnuolo defense plays with. Again, you are basically rushing with five here. Um, Willie Gay kind of attacks Josh Allen because they're so, and this is, again, the aura that Josh Allen brings to a defense. Um, attacks him and basically loses his assignment. And that, again, opens this lane for James Cook to catch a pass and run with it. We also got some sweet play calls from early Joe Brady's success here. As you can see, Trent Sherfield motions across. That forces the, ro the safety to rotate down. You're going to see Don Kincaid run to the inside shoulder here of Nick Bolton, and that just leaves the seam wide open for James Cook to go down. And then we get a few more, including this sideline route, which is the, this basically, basically supposed to be a rub route mm -hmm. by Gabe Davis on the outside. Uh, it's just bad defensive play and a bad call at the wrong time. Uh, and no one follows James Cook into this area of the field and he goes off for another explosive play. All five of those catches were in the first half, Hayden. Wow. So James Cook, again, this is easily his biggest receiving performance of the season, but I do wonder if he can be a bit of the X factor here if Stefan Diggs gets taken out once again. For the sickos, the RB2 behind James Cook right now is it's more Ty Johnson. They released Lenny Fournette. Uh, unfortunately, that would have been a good bit for the playoff run. Latavius Murray is still out there, but Ty Johnson is getting uh, about the same amount of snaps as Latavius. But yeah, I think what, what we saw from Khalil is the kind of explosive play. Like I'm with you. Whenever he gets the ball, like that dude's a walking first down. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Uh, he's not like the true number one, but when you break contain a little bit with Josh Allen, he provides all of that kind of sauce that you need uh, in this offense. I'll tell you this. When the Bills let Gabe Davis walk, when that happens, and if they don't bring in another name, Khalil Shakir is going to be like a six-round pick by people yeah. out there. Like yeah. They're going to go crazy for him, and I understand it. He's a really fun player who's super athletic, and again, this team does love Trent Sherfield in certain situations when – He's almost a different type of player where he's taller and a bit more physical, even though we have seen Shakir be electric after the catch. And maybe Deontay Hardy can pop up here. It is a star and still kind of a bunch of scrubs yes. in certain ways that become role players. Not to shade Dalton Kincaid, but we haven't seen super consistent performances all season long from him yet. Um, okay. 
on the opposite end, Hayden, you kind of hinted at it. When the Chiefs have the ball, I feel like we should almost start with this Bills mash unit on defense at the moment because this is only being recorded on Thursday. Christian Benford, DNP. Terrell Bernard, DNP. Um, Taylor Rapp, DNP. Balen Spector, DNP. You also have Teron Johnson, limited. Rasul Douglas, limited. Tyrell Donson, limited. That's not good for a defense that already dealt with a ton of injuries this season, too. I was going to say, if you don't recognize some of those names, that's not a problem. That doesn't mean you're necessarily a casual. It just means that all of the other Buffalo Bills starting players were already injured before this. It got to the point where they're going to be starting A.J. Klein, linebacker. He was released by the Bills earlier this season. When they gave him a phone call, he was packing his RV to go to Key West with his family. He led the team in tackles last week. He is a fourth or fifth stringer out there, and that's a lot of them. And obviously, when you're playing with backups at linebacker against Patrick Mahomes, who scrambles like a madman in the playoffs, obviously all the Andy Reid stuff after the catch, and also what I think what we need for this Chiefs offense, and I'm calling it here, Travis Kelsey bounce back game. It's been drops, been inconsistent play, but against the Bills historically, he's averaging 88 yards per game, which is basically his average when he was in his peak performance. But the backups at linebacker, if Teron Johnson, their slot corner kind of nickel player, if he can't clear the concussion protocol, he's been limited. So there's still a chance that he gets out there. If he can't play, you would have to think that Travis Kelsey even if he doesn't have the same juice after the catch could manipulate these linebackers. that just don't have the same amount of reps or the, the just in general movement skills of what starting linebackers like. So I like the first downs for Travis Kelsey in the pick and lobby. Mm. You can find that at three and a half first downs. He averages about six of them against the bills historically. So I like that one. And then last week when push comes to shove, McCall Hardman, MVS, Richie James, all these guys, they can't catch the ball. 65% of the targets last week went to Rasheed Rice or Travis Kelsey. I think they'll basically copy paste those guys because those guys work underneath and over the middle. And that's where the Buffalo Bills right now are at their weakest. So when these teams played, Travis Kelsey did have 10 targets, six receptions, 83 yards. Rasheed Rice, 10 targets, seven receptions, 72. No other player had more than four targets in that game. And I want to add, it was just a three-point contest. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah Pacheco didn't play. You know, they got 39 yards out of CEH, 19 yards out of Jarek McKinnon. Kadarius Tony got two carries in that game. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco, I think that was back when, maybe this isn't totally fair, the Chiefs didn't totally buy into, okay, we need to run the ball and then hit Isaiah Pacheco on these crossing routes and then what Travis Kelsey can sit in zone. And like, that's us. That is yeah. us. At this moment. And so I think Pacheco is now a pivotal player mm-hmm. for this offense, a pivotal player. Now, I will add the Bills have beef and depth along the defensive line. Like they aren't as injured in that spot as they are in other places. I will add right. Jordan Phillips. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back for this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's, I know he's been an injury reserve and that can kind of get wonky, wonky with reporting. But Ed Oliver has been playing at a high level. Obviously, they have a bunch of edge rushers that they rotate. Um, so that can be a bit difficult to run against, but I would expect a heavy dose of those three players, Pacheco, Kelsey rice. And if they get one shot play to MVS, one shot play to Justin Watson, I mean, that's the difference in the whole thing. (laughs) Like that, that could be the difference in the whole thing. If, if one of those, like even tertiary is, is generous to those guys. Yeah. One shot play to them could be the game changing moment. They're just trying to figure out who Mikol, can play wider. I cannot stuff. believe Miko lost the ball in the lights last week. And then the other one, he just gave up on that pass interference where he could have scored a touchdown, just completely gave up. Just to hit this real quick, Rasheed Rice, 43 of 47 routes, full-time player, thankfully. Then it was Justin Watson at 31, McCole Hardman at 21, MVS at 20, and then Richie James at 11. Sky Moore is coming off injured reserve. Potentially, he's going to be up. Kadarius Tony has a chance to play, and this one was kind of borderline a healthy scratch this last time around. So they don't have any answers there. I think the answer in this one, more Mahomes scrambling. We see it in the playoffs all, this, all the time, and I think this is going to be a scramble off and see which one of these quarterbacks has that absolute ludicrous gear to get to. I understand the Bills at home. They should be favored in this game. But to me, this is a complete toss-up just because comparing the Bills defense and the Chiefs defense, I do think closes that gap when you are going to be going into Buffalo. 
probably bad weather again. Um, but the bad weather for these two quarterbacks just doesn't mean the same because, you know, they got that big. What's so fascinating to watch this chiefs offense is we've talked about so often with all these other teams under center play action, uh, condensed splits, so on and so forth. Now nah, the chiefs are basically gonna sometimes put four pass catchers just to one side of the field. And they did such a good job of that against the dolphins, Vic Fangio, same, zone coverage or similar ones over and over and over again that how do you cover with you know two or three bodies on that side four pass catchers you really can't and so again Andy Reid's going to cook things up for this week yeah I mean as we said both the Saturday games nine half point spreads the Tampa Bay Detroit game six and a half point spread this is the only one with a field goal or less at two and a half so this feels like the biggest toss-up of the weekend okay um Hayden before we get out of here let's build a pick them entry and then I'll put it in the description down below. Oh, you have it. You have one. Can we I, add some of those onto this? So I'm doing Odell higher 33 and a half receiving yards. Travis Kelsey, three and a half first downs. You want your Fairbairn one in there? Kaimi Fairbairn, one and a half extra points. If I'm okay. right that the Texans are better than what people think, you would think that they would hit two extra points, right? Okay. Yep. Nope. I think that's very fair. You were basically uh, working against Vegas, which is very different from you. And then you had one last one, Mike Evans. Mike Evans first downs, just the big play ability. I was debating between the first downs and the receiving yards, but I think that the Lions are going to get consistent yardage. So I do think that Mike Evans will have to walk away this game with 10 targets at least. Okay. I'll put this in the description down below at the end of this video. Uh, so you all can click it, tail us, sweat with us this weekend. And as always, most likely your state allows for underdog pickums um we have reworked it in states that previously did not allow it so go and check that uh and if you never have deposited i'm matching your first deposit up to 100 and we still have you know drafts you can enter at this moment yep. we only have like a million dollars in dfs contest for nfl coverage if you're interested in you know drafting all right go and check out uh the other content that we have on the channel um enjoy the football this weekend and thank you to producer Weeze and to Hayden for joining us today. Up the Villa. We will talk to you all soon. See you.